a jam-packed, history-focused Arizona State Sun Devils podcast today as we talk about the greatest Sun Devil quarterbacks prior to the years 2000. Who dominated the 1970s, 80s, 90s, even before that? We're going to talk about today on the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. You are Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw and I will be your guide for all things Arizona State Sun Devils. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every single day. Remember that this podcast is free and available on all platforms, which includes but is not limited to Odyssey, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're also on YouTube. If you would like to check out the page, see my beautiful face as I talk everything Arizona State Sun Devils football basketball, baseball, and otherwise. Go ahead, follow me on Twitter while you're on the Little Bird app. That's at RichieBrads36. While you're there, follow the podcast as well, at LO underscore Sun Devils. Make sure that you stay updated on the podcast. We are free and available Monday through Friday, the absolute best Sun Devils content in the whole world. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. As we've been going through this week, we started with the best quarterbacks of the 2010s. We had four guys. We went through the best quarterbacks of the 2000s. We had four guys. Well, we are now focusing our attention on the best quarterbacks prior to the year 2000. So we're looking particularly at the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. And let me tell you, there there is quite a handful of really good quarterbacks I narrowed it down, quote unquote, narrowed it down to nine guys, three honorable mentions, because otherwise I just would not have enough time to talk about nine guys. I'm already going to be stressed giving myself three honorable mentions as well as six other guys that I'm going to dive into. So I'm not going to waste any more time. We're going to go ahead, get right into this bad boy. Who are the best quarterbacks prior to the year 2000. Let's start with the honorable mentions. The first one, Ryan Keeley. Keeley played from 1997 to 2000. He was Jake Plummer's successor, and he ultimately ended his career at Arizona State sixth in passing yards with 6,500, or excuse me, uh, 6,912 passing yards. He, and touchdowns, where, where were the touchdowns? 46. Very quality career for Arizona State. Was never that guy to blow you out of the water. And unfortunately, he had the luxury of trying to pick up where Jake Plummer had left off. This was right after Plummer's senior year. And Keeley was good, just never great. Paul Justin is another guy that I have up here. Played from 1987 to 1990. He ended his career with Arizona State 10th in passing yards with 5,761. and where did you finish with passing touchdowns? He did not finish in the top 10. Again, another quality guy. He was never anyone who was truly like this mind-blowing player. He did take over for Jeff Van Raphorst, who won the 86 Rose Bowl, was gone, and then Paul Justin had taken over. And similar to the Jake Plummer situation, 
he never really took that next step for Arizona State that the Sun Devils were hoping the organization would find their way to do. And that's okay because he's still a very quality quarterback for us. Finally, the last guy I wanted to mention was the great Fred Mortensen. Now, Mortensen doesn't crack my list because he simply wasn't a full-time starter for Arizona State. He, he is most famously known and forever beloved for coming in after uh, De Dennis Sproul had gotten injured in the 1975 Fiesta Bowl, which should have been a national championship game, but neither here nor there. He comes in for Sproul after a, uh, I, I believe it was a quarterback sneak that he had gotten injured on. Mortensen comes in, ends up throwing a game-tying touchdown pass to the legendary John Jefferson and does tie the game up after a two-point conversion to split-end Larry Bucker. Eventually, Arizona State is able to go down the field, kick a game-winning field goal, and upset Nebraska 17-14. to Arizona State would finish that season 11-0. 12-0, excuse me. They finished that season 12-0. And should have been national champions, but weren't. And again, it just, that's one of those, it is what it is. But Mortensen more remembered for a few games than he was for his actual career. He never really did much in his long stint with the Sun Devils from 75 to 77, but he was also with the team in 72. I imagine he was with them 73 and 74 as well. So a long, long time there. He only had 231 pass attempts, 10 touchdowns, and 16 picks. He did have 10 rushing touchdowns, and in 1976, he was the main punter. He punted the, the ball 67 times for a net average of 40 and a half yards a punt. So kind of a little bit of a do-it-all guy for Arizona State. Again, he just unfortunately didn't put a long-standing career together to where you look back at Mortensen and you're like, man, he's one of the greats. He is idolized for that 75 Fiesta Bowl game and very well should be. And we, we just absolutely, as the kids would say, we stand Fred Mortensen, regardless of the fact that his numbers don't necessarily back up the legacy he has with Arizona State at the end of the day. He is the reason that we went undefeated 12-0 in 1975, won the Fiesta Bowl, ended the, team, ended the year as the number two team in the nation. I don't remember who finished ahead of us, but regardless, we should have been number one. We should have been national champions, but neither here nor there. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and hop into number six and number five on my list. Take a break for four and three, our last break, and then two and number one. Starting with number six, I have Mark Malone. Malone was the starting quarterback for Arizona State. From 78 and 79, he was also with the team in 1977. Now, Malone's career was very interesting. Late 70s, so still not exactly a pass-heavy game. And that proved to be Malone's situation. In, in three years, he had only passed for just shy of 3,400 yards. He had 23 touchdowns and 28 interceptions. So more interceptions than touchdowns doesn't blow you away. He also only completed 49% of his passes. So... Even for his time, he was definitely a subpar passer. However, he made up for it as a runner because, my goodness, in those three years, he was able to rush for 1,344 yards and 21 touchdowns. All 21 of those touchdowns coming in his two-year stretch as the starter for Arizona State. 
he was one of those guys, he was just bigger than everybody else, and he wasn't afraid to challenge any kind of defenders that even thought about getting in his way. He managed to get a 24-12 and 12 record with Arizona State during his time there. Again, just a very quality player. Now, at the end of the day, really, really not a good passer, at least by the numbers, right? Take into account the age that he played in. It's understandable that he was never this dominant passer, but what he did as a runner was definitely ahead of his time. You didn't have very many mobile quarterbacks back in the late 70s, early 80s, or really even in the 90s, but Malone was the poster boy for mobile quarterbacks. He was one of the best bruisers that Arizona State has seen, and even at the quarterback position, that's impressive. He is, I believe, fourth for ASU in career rushing yards behind Manny Wilkins, Taylor Kelly, and Jaden Daniels, but quarterback-wise, obviously. Malone, a very quality, very studly option here, makes it number six on my list. Moving up to number five. Dennis Sproul, and I feel like this is going to be a little controversial for some people, so please hear me out. Dennis Sproul, many will know him as the guy who led Arizona State to their 12-0 1975 season. Beyond that, he was still a very, very quality quarterback. Went 32-15 and in his time with Arizona State, but that essentially is a 20-15 and record in the three years outside of that 1975 season with everything that it rolled together for Arizona State. His numbers also very, very subpar, even as the starter for Arizona State in the three years that he played. He, again, a sub 50% completion guy, 49.6, a little less than 6,000 yards in four years, 44 touchdowns of 43 interceptions. Again, you take into account he played in the mid 70s, right? Back in the 70s, you weren't passing the ball the way you see today's today's college football teams, right? There's There weren't a lot of dynamic passers back in this time. The Dan Marinos who played at Pittsburgh in 80 and 81 and 82, they're few and far between. There's just not a lot of guys like that before that era. And it's not like Arizona State has typically been this quarterback powerhouse. So Sproul was never a dynamic passer. What he did though was win football games and he did that plenty. Never the best passer on the field. Definitely far from being the best player on the field, but Sproul will always be a a beloved player for Arizona State Sun Devils fans, especially my grandfather's generation and even a little bit my father's generation. He was he was one of the faces of the fret of the uh, Frank Cush era, and again, again, like it just bottom bottom line here, he was the quarterback who helped us to that 1975 undefeated season. Should have been national champions. I'll continue to say that until the day I die. Sproul coming in at number five for me. We're gonna go ahead and hop into our first break. When we return from that break. We're going to go ahead and hop over to quarterbacks number four and number three. But first, a quick word from some of our friends. So your bracket's busted. You and everybody else's. Don't worry. We believe in second chances, and so do our friends over at Run Your Pool. 
Round up your friends who picked Baylor, Kentucky, or any other high seed to win it all and start a Sweet 16 pool at runyourpool.com slash locked on. Along with Sweet 16 brackets, Run Your Pool offers squares, square pools, yes, just like the Super Bowl, to keep things interesting every week of the tournament. Bracket busts, but the fun doesn't have to stop. They still have options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks. All the stuff you won't find at the big media bracket sites. Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because we've we've run Survivor and Bracket Contest there ourselves. Start your second chance Sweet 16 pool and more at runyourpool.com slash locked on. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm still hurt over taking Kentucky to make it as deep as they did, only to fall in the opening round. My, my bracket got busted almost immediately, but thankfully I'm still alive with Stat Hero Pick'em. If you haven't checked this out, you guys are truly missing out. Stat Hero's NCAA Pick'ems pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Start focusing on the players you know best with the gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you're going up against. In addition to their pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups you can comb through to take on head-to-head. They simply post sets of players for you to take on with a set of players you choose. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fi- fix. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is what daily fantasy was meant to be. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use the promo code for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on promo code locked on for a 100% match. Stathero.com slash locked on promo code locked on terms and conditions apply. And let's waste no more time. We're going to hop right back into our discussion here of the top quarterbacks of the pre-2000s. Heading into number four now is Mike Pagel. Pagel played for Arizona State from 78 to 81. So he was the guy who took over for Dennis Sproul, who had just made it as our number five quarterback on the list. Pagel was someone who was a little ahead of his time for Arizona State. So he wasn't really the true starter for the team until 1980. In his first two years with Arizona State, he had completed 50 passes for out of 131 attempts. So, I mean, like well under 40%. He had still somehow managed to throw eight touchdowns to eight picks. Nothing obscenely crazy. But 1980 and 1981, he really turned it on. He goes up to about a 54% passer, which... You know, at this point, with everything we've seen from Arizona State passers, it's not like that's necessarily a bad thing, right? But he ends up throwing 48 touchdowns. Excuse me, 46 touchdowns. 46 touchdowns to just 23 interceptions. So a 2-to-1 ratio. Keep in mind, this is the 80s, the early 80s. This is 80 and 81. So again, we're still in an era where you don't have a lot of dynamic passing quarterbacks. Instead, you have guys who do just enough with the run game to not get themselves into trouble. But 1981, he threw 29 touchdowns. 
That that's the second most in a single season for Arizona State ever. And I, I mean that that is held up to Andrew Walter and Mike Bercovici throwing 30 touchdowns in the 2000s. So Pagel actually has it tied with Taylor Kelly, 29 touchdowns, but he did this in 1981. To put that in perspective, of the Sun Devils' eight best passing touchdown seasons, only one of those seasons came prior to 2000, and that was Pagel in 81. Like, so much emphasis on that. Absolutely insane what he was able to do. Definitely ahead of his time. Regardless of the completion percentage, he threw for almost 2,500 yards, which, again, that doesn't seem like a lot until you consider the era that he played in. In 11 games, he was averaging over 200 passing yards a game. He was throwing almost three touchdowns a game. Unheard of. Especially for Arizona State, you didn't have a lot of passers who were truly these transcendent and dominating kind of guys. He managed to go 31-15 and 15 in his four years at Arizona State. A little take it with a grain of salt that he wasn't really the true starter for the team until 80 and 81. Nonetheless, Pagel was more than quality for Arizona State. Super happy with the way he turned out and was able to kind of get Arizona State back on the right track because after the 75 season, they did dip down a little bit right before coming back to full steam. Pagel was actually at the very end of Frank Cush's career with Arizona State. He was kind of that bridge quarterback to take Arizona State from the WAC over to the now Pac-10 conference, which eventually would become today's Pac-12 conference. Pagel comes in at number four for me. Number three, this is where it's going to get controversial. I know I'm going to get some hate for this, but that's okay. I'm really sorry to the people who disagree with me here. I truly am. I understand why this guy has so much fanfare. I understand how important he is to Arizona State lore and the history of the team. I just could not put him ahead of the top two guys I have here. Number three, Jeff Van Raphorst. Again, I know I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for that. Richie, Jeff Van Raphorst won us a Rose Bowl. You're absolutely right. He did. Not only did he win the Rose Bowl, but we were 10-1-1 that season. And, oh man, I can't even remember who we took down. But, none Michigan. We took down Michigan. That's right. And not only did we beat Michigan, but this is a Jim Harbaugh quarterback team. Yeah, that Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback for the Michigan Wolverines in this Rose Bowl. Big time upset. For Arizona State to win a Rose Bowl within 10 years. 10 years of joining the Pac-10, beyond impressive. And Raphorst was a huge reason for that. If my memory serves, he actually was the Rose Bowl MVP winner of that game. And just what he did was phenomenal. And he had great numbers too. Three years with the team, at this point, the highest percentage here, 58.1% completion, 6,400 passing yards. So he was... Throwing over 2,000 yards a season, he was completing high 50%, managed 44 touchdowns to 36 interceptions. Nothing mind-blowing, but again, take into account, this is a totally different era. I, I feel like I really need to specify that. This is the 80s, before we were in the 70s. 70s, 80s, it's really not a pass-heavy pass league. 
But you had a guy who was passing right around 200 yards a game. He was taking care of the football for the most part. I, I know double-digit interceptions in all three seasons seems really bad. Really got to preface it, okay? Especially for my generation and even the younger guys who, a, like, an elite season is like an Aaron Rodgers throwing, like, five or fewer picks. That was, like, nev never, ever a thing back in the 70s, 80s. It was normal to throw double-digit. What was impressive was throwing more touchdowns and interceptions. Raphorst, Van Raphorst, excuse me, managed to do that in all three seasons with Arizona State. Went on, I believe, to play for the Oakland Raiders, if I'm not, or it might have been the, uh, the Los Angeles Raiders at the time. I believe he was with the Raiders. Please don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% off the top of my head. However, he was, so I just double-checked. He was with the Denver Broncos undrafted, and then he spent two years with the Falcons. Very quality guy, was just so rock solid for Arizona State, and he did it when it mattered most, and he got that team a Rose Bowl victory. The only Rose Bowl victory in the state of Arizona. Hey, U of A, do me a favor, and uh, just let me know when you even make it to Pasadena for a Rose Bowl. And I'm not talking about playing UCLA. I'm talking about the game that matters most. You let me know, U of A, because until you find a way to get down to the big one in Pasadena, I'm just not going to, I'm not even going to hear an argument from you guys football-wise. Basketball, you got us, okay? Baseball, this year you got us. We got pretty good teams every year between the two of us. Mutual respect there. Football, don't even talk to me. You let me know when you make it to Rose Bowl. Not, not win, just make it. We're going to go ahead and wrap up that second segment now. When we return for the third and final segment, we're going to hop into our top two quarterbacks. You should be able to guess who they are. If you know me, and I have hinted at it this week, you know who the order is. But if you don't, you'll find out in just one moment. This is the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Guys, it's that time of year where we've all pretty much given up on our New Year's resolutions, but I'm not doing it this year. Not when I've got a great tasting protein bar like Built Bar in my back pocket. Not only are they great, but it feels like a cheat because they're so good, covered in 100% real chocolate, and it feels like eating a candy bar. If you haven't tried the Puffs yet, you guys are missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, and they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. Of course, covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like yummy cinnamony churro, Coconut, marshmallow, banana cream pie, they're all so good, they're going to be your favorite. Most Built Bars, low calorie, high protein. Seriously, replace your candy bars with these. They're better, and if you look at the macros chart, you'll be absolutely blown away, where you see that most Built Bars have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, but 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which typically has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. From flavors like mint brownie to coconut almond, and new for them this month is the white chocolate cookies and cream. They have tons of flavors for you guys to fancy. If they think a flavor might be good, they're probably going to make it. It's so delicious, and it's good for you too. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They'll make it delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to Built.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
All right, guys, let's go ahead and get my face back. There we are. Let's go ahead, hop into the final segment as we talk the two best quarterbacks for Arizona State pre or pre 2000s, I should say. Anyone who knows me knows the order that I'm going to put this in. Majority of Arizona State fans are also going to agree with this order. But just in case you either don't know enough about the history or just need to be reminded, the top two guys, without a doubt, earned their spots in the top two. And to me, these are the top two guys in general, regardless of pre-2000s. All-time Arizona State Sun Devil quarterbacks, these are numero uno and numero dos for me. Starting at number two, Jake the Snake Plumber. Jake was always a quality quarterback over his first three years. He played from 93 to 96 for Arizona State before going to the NFL, being drafted, and having a pretty nice stint with both the Denver Broncos and the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, absolutely beloved in the state of Arizona. But in his four years at Arizona State, his first three years up to his junior year, he was good, not great. He was rock solid and steady. He was hovering in that mid 50% completion range. He tossed for just shy of, or just over 6,000 yards, I should say. Yes, right, right at 6,000 yards. And managed to throw, what is that? 41 touchdowns against 25 interceptions. Solid, not great, solid. Turn on 1996. They go 11 and 1. They're one game away from a Rose Bowl victory, I should say. They're one game away from a Rose Bowl victory. Unfortunately, that game goes south because who knows why you would ever run prevent defense. But Ohio State ends up going right down the field and scoring when in the waning seconds of the game and beats Arizona State in an all-time classic. Rose Bowl game in 1996. Just a heartbreaking ending for Arizona State fans. But nonetheless, we look back at what Jake Plummer did. I'll preface it with this. Third. Third in Heisman voting. Jake Plummer finished third in Heisman voting in 1996. He completed 57.2% of his passes, 2,575 yards, 23 touchdowns to nine interceptions. Also managed to get three more scores on the ground and even caught a 16-yard touchdown pass. Unreal. So 28 touchdowns. 28? I'm totally out of my mind right now. 27. Excuse me. 27 touchdowns in 1996. Crazy. Led the Arizona State Sun Devils to a 11-1 season, nearly 12-0, nearly Rose Bowl champions. Would have been our second Rose Bowl within the last 20 years. Even more than that, within the last 10 years. We almost won two Rose Bowls in a 10-year span. Plummer was one of the biggest reasons for that. He captained that Arizona State team, and we were so close to the big one. Nonetheless, he has arguably the greatest single season a Arizona State quarterback has ever had. Statistically, obviously, it doesn't look anything near as impressive 
as other guys on the list, like like a uh, Mike Bergovici or a Taylor Kelly kind of season. But you take into account everything that he managed to do, and you have to realize how great that season was. Jake Plummer does end his career third all-time in passing yards, fourth all-time in passing touchdowns for the team with 8,827 and 65 touchdowns, respectively. He also just overall beloved. I, I think that's the best way to describe Jake Plummer, his time at Arizona State, and his time with the Cardinals, too. Just an absolutely beloved member of the beautiful state of Arizona. Plummer, definitely one of those guys who my parents talk about all the time. He's like the gold standard. When when we talk about great seasons for Arizona State quarterbacks, the first thing that gets brought up, Jake Plummer's 1996 senior season. That's where the discussion starts. And you have to remember that these stats in, in 2022 are terrible. 1996, Heisman contending. So you got to just remember that. Don't let a box score fool you. Jake Plummer was ahead of his time. Jake Plummer was on his way to just like all-time great status with Arizona State, and he still managed to do that, regardless of the fact that he didn't get that Rose Bowl championship. But that's okay. Because at the end of the day, Jake Plummer did more for Arizona State than a lot of guys have managed to do more, more in one season than a lot of guys have managed to do in four years. Jake Plummer, number two on my list. Number one, not a surprise to anyone, it's Danny White. And to me, Danny White is completely untouchable for Arizona State. It, it will never be close for me. In his time with Arizona State, he went 32-4. and four. This is three years, by the way. He was averaging an 11-1 season, just about, in his three years there. Now, this is 71-72-73. You want to talk about a league where you don't pass the football? This is that. This is that league. Danny White still managed to throw 59 touchdowns in three seasons against 36 picks. He's nearly at a 2-to-1 ratio. Oh, by the way, over nine yards per attempt for his career. Insane. 5,932 passing yards. Almost 6,000. So almost 2,000 passing yards a year in 71, 72, and 73. That's nuts. Not only that, he was a runner too. He managed 521 yards in three seasons, 14 rushing touchdowns. 3.2 a pot, by the way, too, which if you remember our conversation, that number gets pretty, pretty bad because sack numbers will decrease the amount of yards you get as a runner. Again, it's the stupidest thing in the whole world, but neither here nor there, I suppose. What Danny White did for Arizona State, unbelievable. He's easily, in my opinion, easily the best player Arizona State has ever had on offense. He is the best player they've ever had at quarterback. And I will make an argument and I will listen to an argument that he's the best player Arizona State has ever had in general. Now, we're not talking pro success or anything like that, or else it'd be Terrell Suggs or Mike Haynes. But, oh, by the way, speaking of pro success, Danny White won two Super Bowls. 
with the Dallas Cowboys. In fact, he was the starter for one of those seasons where they ended up winning a Super Bowl. This is the Roger Staubach era. So, no, he wasn't the starter full-time, but Danny White was still a legitimate factor in the Cowboys winning two Super Bowls. Ask a Dallas fan about Danny White, and they're going to gush about him. The same way that Arizona fans will gush about Jake Plummer, Dallas fans feel that way about Danny White. Danny White was so, so important to everything that Arizona State epitomized from their players and from uh, like a standpoint of an institution. He was a great student. He was a great player, a great man. Just outstanding. What he did as a player, unbelievable for his time. You truly, truly have to realize how great he was as a player. Not, not the fact that the numbers are underwhelming because he's a 53% career completion guy and he wasn't averaging 6,000 yards a year and this, that, and the other. He was averaging a touchdown every 100 passing yards and he still managed to score 60, no, 74 touchdowns in a three-year span. Special is an understatement for Danny White. Number one for me. Not debatable. Won't listen to any other argument. Danny White's number one. Spoiler alert, when I do go over this for the all-time list. Oh, by the way, we are doing an all-time list. That's going to be tomorrow's Friday episode. Uh, we will have to do a baseball recap on Monday because tomorrow's episode is strictly going to be quarterbacks. And I got news for you. It's, it's going to be a doozy, but I'm very, very excited about it. I'm very, very excited to actually sit down and put this in pen because I've been talking for years about who the best Arizona State quarterbacks are, but I'm ready to officially put my name and my stamp on my list. There is going to be a lot of thinking that goes into this. I don't know if Taylor Kelly is top three after everything that I've done my research on. I, I, I don't know who number three is in general. Spoiler alert, my top two aren't changing. I'll let you figure out who the top two are. With that being said, that is going to wrap up this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Again, thank you guys so much for making Locked on Sun Devils your first listen every day. Remember that this podcast is free and available on all platforms, which includes but is not limited to YouTube, if you would like to check us out there. You can also find us on Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts on an audio platform. We're there, free and available, Monday through Friday. It's the best Arizona State Sun Devils coverage in the whole world for football, basketball, baseball, and otherwise. Go ahead, follow me on Twitter as well, at RichieBrads36. Follow the podcast while you're there, at LO underscore Sun Devils. And then go ahead and make your next listen, Locked on NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. Just like the Locked on Sun Devils podcast, it's free and available on all platforms. And until next time, Sun Devils fans, you keep it locked right here on Locked on Sun Devils.